you're going to have more hard days than you are going to have good days, but yep. you need to push through it and you can't really do it without the love. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cloud Machine Podcast. My name is Matt Landry, and in this 19th episode, I'm here with Sarah Ibrahim. Throughout this podcast, we discuss Sarah's position at Live Nation, Budweiser Stage, and RBC, our passion for live music, and the intersectionality of video games and music. We also play this new game called Dream Fest. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cloud Machine Podcast. For those who are new to the podcast, Cloud Machine is about the music industry and its stakeholders, meaning that meaning everybody that works in it, lives it, loves it, and surrounds it. Our goal is to shine a light on roles, people, and realities of the music industry that are often forgotten or taken for granted. Whether you're someone that's dreaming about making a move in the industry, have some songs recorded and don't know what to do with them, or just a listener that wants to learn more, you're at the right place. This week, I have the immense pleasure of welcoming another friend and creative industries alumni to the podcast. Sarah Ibrahim is the... Specifically, the night of show customer service rep at Bud Stage for Live Nation. Originally from Vaughn. Woo! Yes! She attended the Creative <laughs> Industries program at TMU, interning at Universal Music Group during her studies. Now, a couple years out of school, she's working for Live Nation at Budweiser Stage for a couple years now and is also the RBC, is also at RBC as a coordinator for their social impact and innovation division. Mm-hmm. Another. Yes. Personally, I know Sarah <laughs> as a uh, consumer and lover of live music and um, a diehard fan of video games as well. I just wanted to talk about both those things from uh, more of a fan perspective today. And uh, I thought you'd be the perfect um, guest for that. To get in touch with Sarah, please uh, hit her up on LinkedIn or on socials. <laughs> link down LinkedIn b- LinkedIn yeah <laughs> or, uh, anyway it'll be uh, in the in the link uh, below um, so without further ado please welcome Sarah to the podcast <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> alright <laughs> hi Sarah oh, thank you I truly feel welcomed hey how are you I'm doing so well awesome. how are you man? I'm great We'd love uh, to hear it. Yeah, I'm a little warm, so I might have to take this sweater off uh, in in the middle of this episode. Um, so I don't know why that came but up that's just okay. now. Is this, <laughs> I was I, like, how am I doing? <laughs> I'm very warm. That's how I'm doing. Sarah, I wanted to start off how we always start off the podcast uh, with the first question. Mm-hmm. Your favorite live show experience as a fan? Absolutely. Ooh. I feel like a little while ago, it would have been hard for me to answer that question, just given the amount of shows I've been to. But mm. nowadays, it is very, very easy to say, night one, my chemical romance. There you go. There it is. If you know me, you knew that answer was coming. Okay. Um, I have been a my chemical romance fan since the seventh grade and in the eighth grade on a fateful day, the fateful day of March 22nd. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> 20, 2014, or no, 2013, I woke up and, you know, the news had dropped that the idea was no longer um, living, that my compromise was uh, broken up. And I ha- it had dawned on me that I was never going to see my favorite band live right. ever. And then thankfully that changed. 
Like and 10 years later? 10 years later. Uh, I want to say eight. Eight. Okay, eight. okay, okay. It was third year university okay. when they announced that they were coming back. MCR. And you MCR. say night one. Night one specifically. Because you went both nights. Because I went to both nights. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. if you were following the MyChem tour at all, you would have known that they played a completely different set every single night. Um, so no two shows were the same, which meant that they rehearsed all of their discography from front to back to be able yeah. to prepare, yeah. you know, a show like that. And that also includes like visuals, mm. um, lighting, production. Um, right. They had the but, time to rehearse, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but just given the set list of night one and also mm. I wasn't, I, w- I was in the pit for both nights. I'll okay. make that clear. So sure, like, sure, sure. But night one specifically, I was like, really in the pit i was in like the middle of like the second or third row like in the middle people were moshing people were crowd surfing like there was one point that my head got bonked into the person in front of me and i literally thought i broke my nose but it was still <laughs> the best night of my life sure, sure. gerardway came dressed out as a skeleton like bodysuit mm. makeup and everything and as i was Phoebe like Bridgers? yes actually <laughs> yes yeah. a phoebe bridges cosplay yeah yeah my favorite person versus one of my least favorite people, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. oh, yeah. We'll talk about that, too. Jeez. All right. Um, Got a lot to talk about tonight. Absolutely. But uh, it was just one of those moments where I walked out of there at the end of the night, and I'm like, I didn't think I was going to have the opportunity to see this ever, and it mm. just blew my expectations out of the park, and I was the happiest person alive. Wow. Next question. Your favorite show at Bud Stage working yes um this one will probably also come as no surprise uh it would definitely be the florence and the machine show Ooh. Oof. you're wearing a sweater right I now am, you know i'm repping it <laughs> it had to happen it was a bit chilly Ayo. in uh, toronto tonight yeah apparently um, not in the studio jesus <laughs> um <laughs> but florence and the machine is one of my other favorite artists mm. and I had seen her in concert twice before seeing working the show at Bud. So that's one thing. It's like seeing oh. someone yeah, a yeah, couple yeah. times and then all of a sudden you're on the flip side and you get to work that show. It was sure, just sure, like sure. Yeah, Oh yeah. my gosh, that's crazy. Like um and just she has such an amazing fan base mm. which made the show so enjoyable to work because I feel like most people that go to a Florence and the Machine concert have seen her live already because she tours so much and she's right. been around for like right. over a decade yeah, now. Sure, sure. Um, so that older crowd, like that maturity, um, makes my job as a customer service rep like so so easy because you know people come in. It's probably not their first time at Bud Stage. It's probably not their first time at a Florence and the Machine show. Mm. Um, so, you know, so they have their expectations, they have their expectations while high, but still yes. they know what's going to happen. Kind <laughs> of thing. Yeah. And I mean, visually incredible stage setup, like her show productions are always great. She always tours with a massive band. So she sounds amazing. Right. I mean, vocally stunning. Right. Um, <laughs> so all things considered. And we had Arlo Parks opening for the Ooh, Toronto show, okay. which was so, Ooh. Ooh. Uh, that's, that's, that's bringing me back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. Yeah, so it was definitely one of those like full circle moments, one of those announcements that came through and I was just like, 
oh my god, I get to work one of my favorite yeah, yeah, yeah. artists shows. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about like that in the sense of like being such a fan of some artists, mm-hmm. and, but now you're actually working the show. I know, I know, and like, it's is like that wild. It's so it's so so exciting, but it's also kind of like you have a job to do, right, right? And there's only one of us in the role, so if we're not there to do the work, mm. there isn't anyone else. So it's not like, oh my god, my favorite band is coming. I'm going to take the day off. That is not the situation. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so you got to find your way to make sure you're covering all your bases, but mm. still enjoy the show, obviously. Right, you know, right, right. because everyone that works at the venue works there because they love live music and they love bands and certain artists and they right, want right. to bring these experiences to people. So there's always kind of those nights that different part of the crew are like, this is kind of like my night, but you know, you have a job to do at the beginning of right, the day. Right, right. But you find your way, your balance. And, you know, mm-hmm. me going into my third year of, like, working there, I, you know, I found my flow. I know what sure, I need yeah, to yeah. do um, to get the job done, which is nice. And I get, there's a lot of trust from management and, like, higher-ups that, you know, they leave you to and they know you know what you need to get done. Yeah. Which I really appreciate and allows you to enjoy those certain shows. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, awesome. you can't abuse the system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Second question. Erica Badu's quote. Mm-hmm. We know it. The people know it. The listeners know it. Music and music business are two different things. Mm-hmm. What's your first instinct when you hear this sentence? And I know you got some notes. I do. I do one. got some notes. Because um, essentially, right. like, the first thing I think of when I think of like music and music business is kind of like the history of music mm, and how sure. it was first, um, like a ways of like storytelling and like learning and mm. building culture. And, you know, there was no, you know, idea or concept of like business touching right, right. anything like that. Sure. Yeah. So essentially like music could live on its own, but like music business can't live without music. Cause you know, some yeah, people yeah, sure. will just like write and like play for catharsis or, you know, emotional expression and stuff like that. But not all music is, like, meant for business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, kind of also the concept that not everyone is able to kind of do both. And, like, that's yeah, where yeah, we yeah, come yeah. into play, right? Sure, I mean, sure. like, you you clearly are doing both very well as both, hey. like, you know, musician, you. businessman, yeah. entrepreneur. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, others can't do that. And, like, I respect that, you know. They're super, super creative and honed in on their craft and like they need help with like the business side of things. And, you know, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Asking for help is always okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But then as a super, super like creative person with something kind of as like cookie cutter as like business or like what we kind of knew of the music business where, you know, it was like get signed, become famous, go on tour, album, right? next album next tour um how does that change yeah yeah i, I yeah I, I i feel like it's really interesting what you're saying and it, i think we have had this conversation over the past couple of weeks in that um like music and music business like where music business comes in mm-hmm. it's all about intention mm-hmm. in the sense that like you don't necessarily need to have this music business mentality to enjoy music mm-hmm. to play music mm-hmm. to play drums in your basement um to 
play guitar, take even lessons. Like you don't necessarily need to get this music business kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, and and utilize these these terms that we deem music business. Um, and it's we, not only about that. Yeah, yeah and yeah, it's yeah, interesting exactly. to like thinking about like our education in that sense too. Where we're in these like cookie cutter classes of like music industry and learning about the music industry, but like yeah. being out in it, like we just learned these things a couple of years ago, but do they still apply? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. No, I'm always about, um, I, we've talked about it as well in the sense that like doing your research is so important because the music business is always changing mm-hmm. and it's really important to even be like up to date on what these things, what the music business and the industry is talking about because it's not like the things that we learned in 2017. Yeah. Music business one. <laughs> Um, shout out Stephen Ehrlich. Yeah, shout out Stephen Ehrlich. <laughs> yes. Um <laughs> is not uh is not necessarily like um it's still relevant, mm-hmm. but there's things that come up like get go on top yeah, of that. Now. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, yeah. I don't even know I don't even remember like what we were talking about then, but there's things that we're talking about now that aren't necessarily relevant. Yeah, I just remember. Relevant. I just remember him bringing yeah. some pies to class. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "This is what a <laughs> uh, percentage <laughs> of uh, writing is versus your masters. The two different pies. It's not the same pie." That Respect. Vibe. Well, yeah. clearly you remember it pretty well. Yeah. Well, there you go. I think about it every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> shout out Stephen Ehrlich. Hope you're doing well. Um, how is the business part of it, of just the industry, like? Do, viewed now for you like does it bug you is it like something that you're thinking about like at work is it like oh my gosh these fans are coming here it's 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 definitely more of like a um how do how how do i even say that it's like it's definitely Mm -hmm. like uh interaction but it's more than an interaction it's like a it's like a product that we're selling tonight no no i'm saying i get it yeah and like for me personally like I was never cut out to be like a musician or a performer in any sure. way. So like being able to still be in this industry mm. and support those people yeah. is like what like is important to me. Yeah. So being on the business side of things, I really can't talk badly about it, right? Because that's what I want to do. That's what I want to have a career in. Yeah. Um so I appreciate, you know, still being able to be in those realms without being the creative myself. Yeah. Um I think you're one of the first people that co- are coming in without necessarily having that musician background. Um, yeah, exclusive. A new perspective. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, and it's interesting that you say that. Um, we don't, like, bash the business at all, like the business side mm-hmm. of things on this podcast at all. I think it's it's actually just, like, talking about how the business is affecting just the arts mm-hmm. and culture industry, specifically music in this case. Um, but it's interesting to have these sort of perspectives that without the business part of it, you wouldn't be here. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it's really cool. It's really interesting. I know. Like without the business part of it, we probably wouldn't have access to our favorite artists. You hey, know, there you go. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, or just anyone outside of the realm of where you live, mm. you know, how else would you mm. be yeah. connected to, you know, rock and roll from yeah. the UK or Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're blowing my mind right now. It's true. It's true. It's very true. Yeah, the globalization of music. There you go. That's um, the one. And no, I completely agree. 
in the sense that, like, without the business aspect, we probably wouldn't have heard the Beatles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that just blows my mind because I'm such a big, big Beatles fan. <laughs> but look, it, it, any anything here, a, any know. artist. Um, yeah, and you couldn't see mm-hmm. um, My Chemical ra- Romance no. again, you know, without it. Without the business. Without the business. So, no, it's, it's a really interesting point to bring up. We're back. The sweater is off. Uh, supporting... Mom, Charles, XCX. Anyway, uh, Sarah, <laughs> we're back. Topic two, uh, Sarah's origin story. Let's talk Ooh. about it a little bit. Vaughn, Ontario. Um, well, yeah. Toronto Vaughn. Toronto Vaughn. Yeah. So essentially, like, it was fat, or yeah, it's faster to walk into Vaughn than it is to walk to the nearest TTC stop where I grew up. So you know, interesting. Okay, which is which is why anytime someone was like, "Where are you from?" Like it right, was right. it was not Toronto. It was an hour and a half commute. Right, right, right. Into Toronto. So right. that does not well, like an hour and a half TTC wise. Right, right, yes. right, right. It could be an hour and a half given you know the four hundred one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, how close are you to the Bass Pro Shop? Is my question. On a good day with no, um, <laughs> for those who know, you know, with no traffic on the road, like a toasty, like fourteen minutes. Oh, well, fourteen. Well, fourteen minutes. That's cool. Um, for all your fishing needs. Do Do I Jeez. own a Bass Pro hat? No, I love myself. That's, that's great. Uh, I was ready for the yas. Oh, yes, yeah, please, yeah. My bad. Hey. All right, so but that's good. So Vaughn, Ontario, Vaughn, Toronto. Yeah. Um, how was your musical upbringing? In the sense that, like, were you listening to a lot of music? Was like, was there music playing in the house situation? The radio was playing hey. in the house. Okay. Um, my parents are not really creative at all. Right. They, right you right. know, so I didn't grow up in one of those households with like parents that had favorite records. And, Right, right. Went to concerts and mm. like did all that kind of stuff. Um, but I started playing piano and taking lessons, I want to say, when I was either five or six years old. Okay. Um, because my brother was in lessons and I was like always super interested in what was going on there. So when my mom was like, when you're old enough, like we'll put you in lessons. And um, apparently I caught on really quick for a little kid. There you go. You but are then, coming from a musician's background. I guess. Um, <laughs> I guess. There you go. But um, after like hitting a certain point, it just felt more like a chore than something that I was enjoying where it was like my mom was pestering me every day. It's like you have to put in your 45 minutes of practice, like put the timer on and go sit down by the piano and like practice for 45 minutes. And I was just like it was no longer like fun. Yeah. And something that I was looking forward to, we had uh, we had a, pl- a piano in the house I grew up in, and uh, my teacher would, like, come, like, every Tuesday, not Tuesday, Thursday, and it was, like, a private lesson in that style, and I would not look forward to, like, him coming right. like, at all. I was right, just right, like, right. no, and then I, my mom's like, well, if you're not enjoying this, and, you know, like, why are we paying for it? And I think we're on the fifth grade. Like, I was just like, yeah, no, I'm I'm over this. Yeah, yeah. I'm done with this. Mm. Um, but managed to, like, continue playing music still. Um, my elementary school had a really cool um, music program where there was, like, band and strings, like, separately. So there was, like, a mm. strings group and a band group. Whoa, okay. Yeah, 
and uh, so elementary school elementary school oh so for like the but for the older grades so for grades six to eight Oh right! Yeah, I'm coming from an elementary school, four to six. Sorry, I was yeah, yeah. K to K to eight. You know, yeah, yeah. K to eight. There you, you know, go. didn't get a change of scenery. Yeah, but um, well, Franco Ontarian vibes for y'all. <laughs> I feel like Shout it was out. a pretty regular thing in Toronto <laughs> too. No. To be honest, like I know a lot of people that changed. You know, elementary, middle, whatever schools, but like K to six kind of thing. Kind of like or yeah. like maybe yeah. K to five, I think. Yeah, and then K it was to like five. Six, that then blows like six, my seven, mind. Eight. K to five, and then six, seven, eight. Who are we? Well, I wouldn't I don't even know. know. I was at a K to eight. There you go. <laughs> That's how to do it. I was K to six, and then seven, eight. But seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve was in the same high school, we're same building. Then that's not high school. I know it's it's still middle school, but anyway. Anyway, um, I'm probably the weird one here, <laughs> but it's fine. It's fine. So okay, so so you had a band and strings, yeah, uh, cl- class or it was like, like it was, after school program situation. No, so it was like really interesting. It was something you had to like audition for, and it was like you were going like out of class time, right? Um, I want to say like three days a week, you would like leave class, and you it was like oh. in portables because you know there was not space enough space for anything in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Toronto Vaughn, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we would go into the portables, and it was like an hour, three times a week that we were, you know, playing and like learning how to play these like instruments. And I was in the strings class. I was playing cello. And, okay. Um, yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, I I loved it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we yeah. had a great teacher, and um. And what yeah. were the other kids doing? Uh, so the string the strings class was literally just like violin, viola, cello, and like stand up bass. Sorry, I meant like oh, the, the other kids? kids, like in the class. In the like, class? were they doing? I don't know. Oh they no, like, like recess up, or something. No, no, no. Like this was during class time. Like math. The they people had, like, were math. in math that were like whatever the hell English history. Sure. And sure. like the cool kids would yeah. get up to go to the music class. Sure. Yeah. But then you know we'd have to catch up outside of class and things like that, which is why it was kind of like. If you applied to do this program, you couldn't be like a kid that had bad grades. But like looking back at that now, it's kind of like yeah, unfair. It's a little sus, you know. You yeah. know, make, probably those students could benefit a lot from learning how to play an instrument. Yeah, but you know, yeah, adding to the problem that yeah, that dumb kid could have played drums. You uh, know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, sorry, but there was strings. But then there was band. There was band, like so orchestra like, band, uh, like, like like wind instruments. Oh, okay, um, okay, yeah. You weren't playing like Eye of the Tiger vibes. <laughs> that that's for high <laughs> <Sorry>. school. <laughs> We're not a high school. What yet. a reference there for me, but Eye of the Tiger. I don't know why I came. I, no, I no, you're right. Like we're gonna get to Eye of the Tiger <laughs> okay. eventually. High school, high school is Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> okay, getting um, more PG in high school. All right, but yeah, so you know, playing music and whatever, and like at that same time, um, like I started discovering kind of music outside of the realm of radio. Okay. You know, because, like, um, I my music taste was heavily influenced by my brother. You know, he was listening to some really cool stuff at the time. And I'm like, hey, you're right. Let me find stuff, I guess, that yeah, I yeah. like. Um, what was he listening to at the time? Like, a lot of the strokes oh, and, like, yeah. older rock music. So, I don't know, Nirvana. And, like, this is, like, this might be weird for some people, but from a family that didn't come from um you know parents that 
you grew up listening to like classic rock and you know things like that like zero exposure to any of those artists in our house um, sure 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 like yeah the beatles like led zeppelin um kind of all stuff like that he got like right into florence and the machine when you know lungs came out right at the beginning um so hearing things like that i'm like that's that's cool um right right didn't know that was a thing but like i was also very much at the height of being like a mariners trench slash headley girl there you go but you know might have dyed my hair blue because of josh ramsey <laughs> at some point in my life yeah am i am i kind of scared of him now yeah mm, yeah 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 um but you know important important parts of my life um, yeah, yeah. And like from there, kind of got introduced to like All Time Low and Pierce the Veil, and you know my right. emo phase right. and my brand had had begun. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> Are you still in that phase? Is that what we're saying? Oh, but have you like <laughs> seen the content of like concerts uh, I've been to over the yes, past year? The yes, resurgence. Yes. The resurgence. The resurgence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. Throughout your program, you worked and interned at Universal. Do you want like a few minutes on that? Did you like your experience? I I did. At the end of the day, uh, I don't think I'd be where I am now without that experience. However, yeah. I had joined as an intern right at the beginning of COVID. Yeah, rip. It's a big, huge rip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so especially in being in the marketing department too, where it's just like yeah. they were very much trying to figure out what that meant for them and what that meant for the work they do, like how do you adapt um, during COVID when everything was virtual? And it was like, I don't even know if virtual concerts were like a regular thing at that point yet. Mm. Um, so it wasn't like as much like hands-on, um, you know, cool events and things like the intern spot usually is. Totally, totally. So it was a lot more like admin and like consumption reports and, you know, um, single releases and stuff like that, which were really, really cool. Um, but, you know, unfortunately to like no one's fault, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't get a full experience from that, but the people I met from there are what is important. Um, the manager I reported to talked me out of quitting um, Marshall's which is one of the best decisions I have like ever done. Shout out Ben. Uh, yeah, <laughs> shout out Marshalls. Jeez. <laughs> no, shout out Ben. Shout Please. out Ben yeah. for real. Um, but truly without that experience, like uh, I, I think I gained a lot of confidence coming out of that role just because I feel like, and kind of going back to cry for a little bit, I feel like a lot of people in that program like had already come from a creative background. Yeah. Or, like, their families, like, worked in the industry or had connections in the industry. So they kind of, like, already had a step ahead. Yeah. So as someone that was, like, coming from, like, ground zero in regards to, like, anything creative, uh, it was kind of, like, challenging to kind of, like, you know, sculpt a path. Yeah, yeah. Um. So even just getting that role was a lot of, like, confirmation for, like, myself and my abilities. And I got, like, a lot of really good feedback for the things I was doing there and like really encouraged to kind of, um, you know, be innovative and stuff with like ideas. I'd be brainstorming and it, everything was so well received. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. I know it's been, it's been <laughs> years now, but it's great. I, I, I remember celebrating all, all of us getting our internships and all mm -hmm. of us finishing our internships and, um, it was a time. It was a time for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, 
Now, after after university, mm-hmm. started working for mm-hmm. Bud. Yeah, Live Nation. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Please let me know. Like, starting there was it right after university? So I think in twenty twenty one when I would have started. I don't know where they thought they were going to be at in regards to that summer because we were still in lockdown yeah. in like April, May, June. Um, but they ended up having a really, really short concert season in mm-hmm. like August to like mid September, maybe like seven or eight shows. But essentially, um, I guess like, I don't know, how, like, I truly don't know how much time they had uh, before getting the green light and like they were actually going to open and operate right. as a venue during COVID mm-hmm. because like COVID was still a thing very right, much right. at this time in Canada, in Canada. But because we were an outdoor venue, we were like, uh, there was regulations that said like you were able to operate under certain circumstances. So yeah, yeah. we fell under that. So they were able to operate. So they started hiring everyone back and like having shows, but it was, it was literally so crazy um, mm. because I think the job was like, and I like, it was, I was literally at a point where I was checking the live nation job board, like every single day. Right. Right. And you knew you wanted to work there. I knew I wanted to work there. Right. Because, yeah. Oh, I, I feel like we should have talked about this. I think, after interning at Universal Music, uh, I realized I did not want to work at a label. Right. Um, it just it just didn't feel like the right space for me. And right. then as You're someone a live music girl, exactly as someone that goes to concerts like all the time, and like what like why would I not you know do concerts? So I like I figured that out very soon that I want to be in the live music realm. So yeah. you know, actively checking the Live Nation job board, and one like fateful Friday. They had posted the customer service rep job. And I remember like sitting there thinking about it being like customer service. Like I literally just came out of four years of working retail. Yeah. yeah. And like, I want to go into customer service. Right. During COVID. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, And like, I, I didn't know what that job meant. I'm like, is it like a remote customer service? Am I going to be like in an office somewhere? Like how, how close am I actually to the live music? I had no idea, but I'm like, right. It's a live nation job. I will apply. Right. Um, I think my manager had reached out to me on the Monday and then scheduled an inter a phone interview with me on the following Tuesday. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So like the next day, Yeah. um, very quick. Um, and we were on the phone for 15 minutes. And he's like, sweet. Uh, you know, I have a couple other interviews. I'll get back to you. I'm like, sick. Cool. Um, and then maybe like two hours later, I had like a job offer in my email. Hey, all right. Hey, yo. was <laughs> 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 just kind of like. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was Tuesday. And um, the first show was on Friday. Right, yeah, that's right, yes. that's right. So it's like right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. they're like, all right, so um, tomorrow or whatever, you know, come in and do your thing. Uh, onboarding. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, and then, you know, a handful of days later, the Arkells had their <laughs> three-day weekend. Yeah, of course. At oh Budweiser stage. <laughs> we love the So, Arkells. yeah, at the time. Just, sorry, I have the reaction because it's not surprising that they would be playing Budweiser, Budweiser stage in a almost Canada only season. I mean, yeah, it's also like there's a good like 50-50 chance for any given show that maxes 
somewhere <laughs> in the venue. Is there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. You started in customer service. You're sort of still in that office, correct? Yeah. Um, and you're still at the stage. Yeah. Um, what's your day? What was your day like then compared to what it's like now? Yeah, so when I first started the role, because it was such a short season, they had combined like the two positions. There is usually one um, daytime customer service rep and then the night of show customer service rep. Mm-hmm. So daytime is like nine to five and then uh, night of show works like five to end of the show. Right. Um. So I was doing both jobs just because there was no point in hiring a night of show right. for Six shows on the grind. On the grind. Um. So I was working. Yeah. Basically, like a, uh, <laughs> more like an eleven to five because there was so many. There was not a lot of shows, so there was no point. Right, right, you know, right. big old things like that. But essentially, I would drive over to the stage stage because I still lived at home at the time. Von Toronto. Von Toronto. Uh, do all that fun, fun customer service stuff, which you know was just like really heavy. Um like COVID stuff, because a lot of people didn't know what it meant at the time, you know, especially in Toronto, we were the first people bringing music back. So lots of people wondering, um, you know, what they had to bring to prepare for something like that. And, you know, your regular customer service stuff, like Mm. what can I bring into the venue? Um, What time does the show end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there parking? (laughs) Yeah, 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 sure. So, you know, fun stuff like that. but that year, I had a different social media manager that I reported to, and I would, like, uh, a couple days in advance, I would always send her out my copy that I had written for, like, approval for show posting. And, like, some, like, minor changes or sometimes nothing. But uh, that kind of happened. But now, or last year, I was asked to come back. As, um, and I was like given like the choice if I wanted to do like daytime or nighttime, but I had already started my internship at RBC at the time. Yeah. So, and it made sense for me to be at the concerts. So I'm like, obviously the nighttime role, yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Locked and loaded. Yeah. Like send me that um, uh, contract. contract. Whatever, like yeah. I'm a signer right now. Yeah. And, you know, it's essentially like the first like real season of music like it was like 2022 compared to 2021 it just like didn't compare because it was concerts at full capacity at what they were before you know lockdown so it was like two completely different experiences and um coming in last year I started reporting to a different or a newer um social media manager and she kind of just like gave me like full reign like I didn't have to get my copy approved anymore okay I was working directly with the photographer to like select photos to post amazing um so just so so much trust and even like in the first year that I was there and like up to now it's very low touch with management like they are putting all of their trust in you that you are you know helping people and giving them the correct information Especially, like, if we're at capacity, there's, like, 16,000 people coming in for, like, every show. And, like, there's one person in the day and there's one person in the night. And that that's your one, per, like, one point of contact for 16,000 people at capacity. Right. So you had to make sure you had everything under control, essentially. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, different emails, like uh, chats on social media. So just a constant circulation of making sure um, 
everyone is like getting answers to their questions and like requests are being taken down and answering things that, you know, they might be like a little bit confused about because, you know, as a concert goer, you want people to go to a concert and have like the best time of their lives. Um, So what could you do to make sure that happens was like a big motivate, a big motivator behind all of that. But um, yeah, it, it was just really, really great. And, it just like still like blows my mind to this day that I get paid to like see these concerts. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and you know, working at a venue such as Bud Stage, I'm like seeing artists I never thought I'd like see before. Sure. I mean, sure. you like, know, like like Pitbull, <laughs> like Pitbull, yeah. or you know, J- Janet Jackson opening, you know, sure. the twenty twenty three concert yeah. season a couple nights ago, a couple Ayo. nights ago, like that, like it's actually insane. And um, the, the people of Toronto really love bud stage we see it in like the comments in our social posts i see it like on my own like tiktok for you page yeah it's like summer really doesn't start in the city until we start having our concerts and it just makes me feel like so lucky yeah to be a part of the team that like brings that to people yeah yeah. does it make you feel important as well well i mean i guess yeah no no but as in like (laughs) do do, do you find that there's like a sense of responsibility sorry that was weird important but like do you find that there's also like a sense of responsibility for you as well absolutely well i meant like uh our opening night like tuesday a couple days ago i i was just like sitting in the bank like all day just so like nervous and so stressed right because it's like it's opening night you know and it like i've been out of it since october you know mm-hmm. so getting back in the groove of things and just making sure everything goes according according to plan and like it's like noon and i'm not there yet and i'm just like huh. you're right, right i need to be there right right i need to i need to be there and see that everything is okay right um with like a million other things going on at the bank too so that was <laughs> that was a time yeah 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 but yeah um, even though it is like low touch with management, like there is no shortage of like gratitude coming from them. Like they're yeah. always expressing like, um, you know, how important and how thankful they are to like have a team that they could, you know, like step away from and like know that we're not, I don't know, making false promises or doing something outside of like code of conduct right, or right. outside of guidelines. Yeah. And like that's important to them because um, it is such a small team yeah yeah that sure, does sure. everything and i don't think people like realize yeah. um just how small it is um to put on these like massive massive shows every night how many are you the really really core group that like has a hand in things happening i want it it's not like on site like there's yeah, yeah. there's, there's site, a group course, yeah, yeah, yeah you know like the head office people but like on site bud stage it's like less than 20 there you go yeah. I mean, it's a miracle. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> I don't know how we managed to do it. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and you're responsible for these potential 16,000 people. Yeah. So, every, what, a couple nights every I mean, night? So, last yeah. year, um, my manager had told me the math of it all. We had almost like 90 shows last year, and which meant 90 shows in like a music festival. So we had a total of seven hundred and fifty thousand people come through the venue, which <laughs> yeah, meant wild. which meant wild. like myself and like the daytime customer service rep were on the front lines of those seven hundred and fifty thousand people. There you go. Which is just like looking back at it, 
<laughs> and having like another nine to five before that job is like a miracle how I'm like even standing up straight at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But it's because of like the support systems and like the love for the job. And like you always hear people in music saying like it takes like a certain kind of person to work in the industry. And absolutely yeah. Oh, yeah. it does. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely it does because you need to have a love for it. They're like you're going to have more hard days than you are going to have good days. But yeah. you need to push through it and you can't really do it without the love. Yeah. I think this was uh, emphasized last week with Hope Bozo. Please go check out that episode if you haven't listened to it yet. Um, But one of the goals of this podcast is really to shine a light on people that don't necessarily have like very common jobs in the music industry, Mm. like yours. Mm -hmm. Um, People don't necessarily tend to think coming out of high school, being like, oh my God, there's this customer service (laughs) job at Budweiser Sage I really want. But I think, that's like really the goal of this podcast or mm-hmm. one of the goals of this podcast is to shine a light on some roles that people could be taking if they want to do either an industry switch or change their career mm-hmm. or coming out of high school. What 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 are they looking to do? Which leads me to my next question. Any tips on how to get a job like yours that you have currently for those people who want to or who are hearing you right now and want to do what you do? Mm-hmm. I mean... Obviously, uh, passion for music comes first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever job you apply for uh, in music during your job interview, someone will be asking you, like, why music? And you have to give them your whole spiel. Yeah. Um, But, you know, also just talking about how small these teams are, being resourceful and being dependable are, like, the two biggest things. And also trust, because you're dealing with a lot of confidential information, a lot of really sensitive information. And, you know, your management wants to know they could depend on you when they tell you these things. And, you know, you're doing the right um, thing and not going out. And, I don't know. Right, right. Being right. like, hey, I don't know. Justin Bieber is playing Bud Stage. He's not. But, you know. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not like false not advertising at absolutely all. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. And like, uh, or just posting kind of like, content of, oh yeah like behind the scenes of the stage yeah, and stuff like that yeah sure, like sure, come sure. with me as i like work <laughs> backstage at budweiser stage like right, right. don't do that right um <laughs> but that trust and being like super adaptable because you know every day is obviously going to be different and being organized because there's so many things going on especially like with our job and there's, like, stretches where we'll have, like, two weeks of, like, a show every single day. Right. Which means, like, you have to make sure you're managing, like, emails and requests coming in for, like, shows that are happening tonight. But then also paying attention to things coming up. And then maybe you're still working on resolutions for things that happened at past shows. So making sure everything gets dealt with. Um, but just being open to taking positions like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like obviously it's not glorious working in customer service, but it's an in, and you get to build credibility and like experience, and you get to meet a lot of really really cool people. Um, so definitely be open to mm-hmm. like roles, but also I say be open to roles, but also do not apply for like every single job right, that right. is coming out from a company because like you need to have like somewhat of a vision of where you want to end up. And like, you know, if you want to work, I don't know, show marketing uh, and 
you're applying for the accounting job and you have no experience in accounting. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing that. Just like recognizing what your where your vision is and where your yeah. where your talents are as well. Your skills. You got you gotta think about it from like an HR perspective too. If they're seeing your name come in with like every single, you know, job <laughs> being applied, they're like, Okay, what are like this person cannot have experience and like right, credentials right. for every single one of these. Mm-hmm. Also, like, being open to, like, volunteer possibilities. So, like, uh, in university, I did a lot of volunteer work for Canadian Music Week and North by Northeast. So, showing that, like, you want to go out of your way to, like, work these events while, like, not getting paid. Yeah. You know? Totally. Really important. And everyone will say networking. So, I feel like, you know, do I need to cover that up that much? I don't Uh, know. You know? We're talking right now. Is that networking? (laughs) Could be. Yeah. (laughs) No, network is super important. We've talked about it a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, connections are everything mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Um, you mentioned something like 20 seconds ago, probably more than that, but whatever, uh, about where you want to go. Do you, Is there a position that you'd love to eventually have, maybe not necessarily at BudStage mm-hmm. or Live Nation, but is there something that you see yourself now having? Mm-hmm. I mean, five, ten years. I don't know. Yeah, two years. Next year, I don't know. End end game for me of my career at the moment yeah. has always been um, festival production in the UK. Crazy. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Like so, a Glastonbury vibe. Uh, Glastonbury. Um, Reading Leeds. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, you know stuff like that. Uh, I've been to a couple music festivals when I was younger, which is like so weird to say because like why am I you know 24 now and I'm not going to festivals in the city versus like when I was like 17 and like I went to like five music festivals in Toronto in like one summer and I don't know what happened to them yeah um but yeah definitely definitely music festivals and I think the UK has such a great scene for things like that yeah yeah and what what what's the role there is it festival production just in general like logistics and and management Mm -hmm. yeah so like is it more of like on the artist stage side or is it like definitely more on like the like management like prepping kind of like the operation of it you know like the planning of it months and months ahead of it uh like all that kind of logistics stuff um yeah not like any actual like stage yeah yeah, but um definitely like the one like planning what goes down and like building a festival essentially from the ground up Super sick. Yeah. There you go. I've always, I've had multiple conversations over the past year that Toronto needs a festival. Oh, yeah, it does. Like, okay, sure, we have Veld. We have, there was Rolling Loud, Rolling I guess. Loud, yeah. Like, if if you listen to, like, rap music and, like, uh, electronic music, like, you're set. Yeah. But then, or I guess, like, country too, for the Boots and Hearts girlies, I guess. But that's still not in Toronto. It's like, still, I feel yeah. like, I okay. feel like Toronto should have, like, their Oceaga mm-hmm. in the sense of like, like the festival, like we don't have here, we don't have a festival that like a Billie Eilish could, yeah. could, could headline. Yeah. No. And I totally agree. And that is like, eventually when I get that spot at Live Nation, I will be dealing <laughs> with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's no, that, that is, that is something like I said a couple minutes too. It's like, why have I been going to more festivals when I was like 17, 18 years old? Yeah, yeah. And like, we don't have that anymore. It's just so weird to me that like, clearly Toronto loves concerts because, you know, Budweiser stage, history, Scotiabank, like all the shows are always like 
selling out and like doing really well and performing really well. Yeah. So we have the audience. Why are we not giving the people a festival? Yeah, yeah. It it, it drives me crazy. Apart from Budweiser and Live Nation, you also have this job at RBC that you sort of took on recently-ish. Or please, t- talk to me about what you're doing at RBC currently. A part of RBC profits every year go into this thing called the RBC Foundation, yep. which is a registered charity. Mm-hmm. And then within that, they fund different projects through different portfolios. So there's RBC Future Launch, which uh, deals with like youth uh, upskilling and like uh, career growth and fun stuff like that. Uh, RBC Tech for Nature, which funds um, charities that look into like clean tech solutions and like agriculture solutions and kind of, uh, but really like data based. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like solutions to like the road for net zero. Okay. And then where I work is the RBC Emerging Artists Portfolio, which essentially funds uh, charities and organizations across the country that helps bridge the gap between emerging and um, established artists. That's there you the go. word. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it yeah, took yeah. a while. That's great. It took a while. So we have some really cool like partnerships with uh, some big ones are Canada's Walk of Fame, Music Counts, um, Artscape Daniel Launchpads, uh, you know, music publishers, Canada. Oh yeah, yeah. Some some really cool things and some really cool programs happening through that. But yeah, some quickly some things that I'm working on. Uh, RBC is the presenting sponsor this year for the Governor General's Performing Arts Awards, which is the highest honor that a Canadian could receive um, in the arts world. And uh, we are go. we are introducing a new award. So this year. Uh, coming to you hot off the press. Coming to you hot off the press, unless you follow this stuff really closely. Um, <laughs> which, this episode will be out after you know, after the awards. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Um, I mean, it's already been announced who's like you there know you getting go. the award and stuff like that. But I've just never heard about this until like I started here, and right, I'm right. like, whoa. Um, but uh, yeah, so a new award. It is the RBC Emerging Artist Award. So awarded to. Um, an emerging artist like creating, you know, new pathways and like really shaking it up in their industry mm. and um, doing some really cool things for their community. So, uh, you know, lots of logistics and planning on that side as being like a presenting sponsor. So how are we showing up in the space? Yo, um, okay. You know, managing guest lists and um, planning like speeches and stuff like that. So working with a lot of different people. To have that all uh, prepared so, you know, runs smoothly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so very, very cool. Uh, very fortunate to be flying out there to experience it myself um, after working on that for probably a little over a month now. Yeah. Um, first time in Ottawa. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> we love Ottawa on this podcast. <laughs> There's a lot of slander, Ottawa slander, but we love Ottawa. Um I don't know. We'll see. I'll let you know when I come back. There you go. There you um, go. A quick word. Actually, before we even get to that, yeah. who is getting the, the, the emerging oh, award? Oh, yeah. The, so, uh, <laughs> so his name is Ralph Askmillan. He is a dancer from uh, BC. I want to say he is a Filipino-Canadian uh, queer dancer. There you go. And um, Amazing. Yeah. 
I've seen a couple of videos of him, uh, you know, doing his craft, and he's absolutely incredible and has uh, created some shows revolved around uh, his culture to share, you know, with the community and stuff like that, and mm. is also, like, a great, like, mentor and teacher to other Amazing. dancers. So, you know, super, super well-deserved. And, yeah, cool. super excited to see it. There you go. Catch it last weekend <laughs> in Ottawa. I don't know if it's being recorded. <laughs> no, I, like it's, no, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, hope you have fun. Thank you. Flying out tomorrow. You know, Ottawa, Ontario, everybody. Toasty, to- toasty, out. forty-minute um, plane ride. <laughs> yeah, it's a fast one. Yeah, uh, sounds unite. Sounds unite. Uh, so that has been a project. That RBC Emerging Artists has been working on far or long before my arrival to the team. There you go. Um, and if you are listening to this and you are going to be at Canadian Music Week, I highly, highly recommend going to the Sounds Unite first look. Mm. On I want to say it is on the Saturday from eleven to eleven forty-five. So this app is going to be like a one-stop shop for any like artist. Um, musician, industry person at any point of their career to network, write music, record music, and then upload your music to streaming services all in one place. Wild. Yeah. Okay. So very, very excited for the release and the development of that. Like yeah. I said, it's I want to say it's been in process for a couple of years now. Um, I haven't been all, like as hands-on uh, myself because I was so late to the project, but I'm like seeing the finished product and it is truly incredible. We're back. Guess who's back? Back again. Yeah, yes. All right, everybody. Topic three. This is a big episode. <laughs> We're going to cut it down for sure. We've been gabbing. What can I say? There's lots to say. There's, well, yeah, well, I just, whatever. <laughs> There is lots to say, Sarah. Come on. Um, Live music. Topic three. Haven't talked about that yet. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. My notes say live music. Um, (laughs) For you, what is live music? What differs live music from a recording, something that you can listen to your car? I mean... There's obvious differences. <laughs> Sorry, that's not what I mean. Yeah, no, no. I mean, like, yeah. What, what is it for, for you? Why, why is it more live music than recorded music? Yeah, I mean, like, other than, like, the catharsis of it, um, it's just such a celebration. And I feel mm. like we spend, you know, so many hours listening to, like, some of our favorite artists. So to be able to, like, go somewhere with, like, thousands of other people at, like, a given time and, like, all celebrate this one thing we care about together mm. is just so so cool and you know it's it's just something that like you can't really replicate in any other like media expression or like a live experience mm, yeah yeah um so it is it is so special and like you know artists go on tour all the time and they're playing the same they're they are playing the same show to like different crowds around the world but Every night is still different because there's different people. There's, like, different interactions. The venue is different, you know? Totally, totally. People interact with the music differently. Um, 
So it is just so, so special and needs to be protected. And yeah, it's just, it's a pleasure. And when, I, when I'm, when I'm not oh at gosh. a concert, I'm like, when's the next one? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Support live music. Exactly. Everybody. That. That's a message of the evening, I think. Um, what do you look forward to the most when you're attending a show? Or you got your ticket to the mm-hmm. show. What are you like looking forward to the most? Is it like the first note? Is it like, like you were saying earlier, it's like, the, uh, like any the, chance the music is going down. <laughs> any then... chance you got the uh, the G note from Welcome to the Black Parade on that funky little soundboard? <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't. Tragic. I don't. Next time. Next time. Mm. <laughs> I do got that though. Um, but what? Yeah. What do yeah. you look forward to the most? Uh, I mean, production is kind of like a, a big thing for me. So like walking into a venue and seeing what is set up on a stage. Yeah. Yeah. So Crazy. um. You know, a great example of this is Tame Impala. You walk in and you just see all the light fixtures just kind of like staring at you and you have no idea what that's going to look like when the show actually starts. Um, Or sometimes when you're like seeing a repeat artist again, you like kind of learn some um, things that happen like regularly at concerts. So like Glass Animals, for example, during like Pork Soda, like, Dave will always throw a pineapple into the crowd. Okay. So, like, looking yeah, forward yeah, yeah. to moments like that or um, big like moments. signature moments. Signature moments yeah, or yeah. just, like, even, like, um, not necessarily, like, sing-along moments, but, yeah, like, yeah. take... When, um, when Maddie he- Healy spits into a, spits into okay, a fan's Okay, I wasn't, wasn't going to go <laughs> into that 1975 reference. I was going to bring up, like, mo- like, well, I mean, did I wish it was me? I'm not answering that. Ayo. Um, but uh, just like take like uh, happiness by the 1975. Sure. Uh, by example, I mean, at like near the end of the song, there's like the call and response part. Yeah, it's yeah. it's moments like that where you know a song is written, but they already kind of think about performing it live and giving that moment to have like the callback. Where I know, um, when Lord performs Ribs Live, she'll always she'll give the like main part in like the last chorus to the audience to sing and then she'll do the response back to the crowd. I think that is so cute. And those are moments that I look forward to. Sure, yeah. Do you have any music hacks, like live music hacks as a fan? Like where to go get your tickets, where like where to line up, when to line up. I, I know it's it's very specific mm-hmm. for every venue, mm-hmm. but are there things to maybe avoid? Or things to do beforehand? Yeah. Um, never. Never. Never buy your tickets from a third-party website. Um, yeah. I don't care if that means you're missing the concert. Um, but just don't do it because it supports a really bad um ecosystem or like economy of this whole ticket reselling situation but then also there is a very 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 high chance that ticket is not real don't do it oh my gosh so like most of our um kind of like conflicts we go throughout the stage is just like these stub hub and vivid seats tickets just not working because yeah yeah. people are selling duplicate tickets or tickets that don't exist and then Mm. Uh, you know, older people are like searching or trying to search up Ticketmaster and then all of a sudden there's like a spelling error in like Ticketmaster and they Google and they click the first thing that comes up so it's not actually Ticketmaster but they think it is and then 
Okay. They spend, right. you know, ungodly amount of money on like a pair of tickets and then sure enough, they're fake. Right. Um, but also just like, you know, signing up for venue mailing lists or like, uh, you know, any like Live Nation mailing list, following, you know, any artists you're interested about on social media. Um, just making sure you know when a show is being announced. Yeah, yeah. That is so important because if you miss on sale, like, you know, if it's a big show and you miss on sale, like, it's not looking good. Right. Um, but, and then getting pre-sale access, I mean... I haven't done this yet myself, but I would literally just get an Amex card for the sake of buying concert tickets. Because, yeah, you know, yeah. you have first access with that all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being signed up for, like, any mailing list you can just so you get those pre-sale codes and seeing what pre-sale codes you, like, have access to. Because there's, like, always something through Spotify. Or if you're an RBC customer, there's, like, RBCX Music um, pre-sale codes, like Rogers pre-sale codes. So seeing what you apply for in those sense, in that sense. But then also... If you miss on sale, um, usually for the bigger venues, um, like a day, the day of, or like the day before, usually whatever is being held back will go on sale. Yeah. And then there's your last minute chance to get like face value seats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, So being patient, but then also not, you know, picking and choosing in regards to that, in regards to lining up. Um. Yeah, like you said, highly, highly depends on the artist you're going to see and, like, how close you want to get. But don't line up overnight. Don't do it. It's not safe. And then we have instances of people, you know, passing out um, a lot, and then that stops the show, and uh, it makes it an unsafe environment for everyone. So take care of yourself. The artist does not want to come, you know, to the city and play to a crowd of, like, you know, 10 people passing out. They want to come in and know, you know, everyone's happy to be there and they're not, like, on the verge of dying. Right, right, yeah. No, <laughs> totally, totally. And just, Very like, grateful. being being a decent human being because every everyone is there for the same reason. Yeah. So, like, be supportive. If you're lining up early, respect the people in line ahead of you. Respect the people in line behind you. When it comes to the moment that, like, if you're in pit and you're lined up early because you're in pit and you want an early pit or a good pit spot and it comes time for that pit walk, just if everyone, everyone just walked, you would still stay in the spot you were in line. <laughs> no one would get hurt. Yeah. And you will get the spot you were meant to get based on your place. There you go. In line. <laughs> um. So it's, and it just blows my mind how, like, people, like, just lose, like, respect for themselves and others, like, when mm. that time comes. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it could be so easy. It could be so easy. Yeah. And it's, like, we have to, like, handhold um, people and, you know, sometimes people don't listen and others get hurt and then venues get blamed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. So. <laughs> We're back, everybody. Last very last uh, segment of this podcast. Uh, it's a new game. It's called Dream Fest Game. I've been thinking about it all week. Uh, Dream Fest, the Dream Fest game, very similar to the producer's game that we have here, fan favorite on the podcast. But it's the live version of it um, for you, Sarah, as a, as, a, as a big live music fan. Um, basically, 
what Sarah's doing is creating her dream show lineup or festival lineup mm-hmm. in this case. Um, what you're going to tell us about is your dream festival. Who's headlining? Who's second high headlining? Mm-hmm. Who's opening? So that's three artists. Where's where's this show happening? When is it happening? Like a time of year? If there are any big sponsors, what's the attendance? What's the de- uh, like the demo, the demographics? Mm-hmm. And then last but not least, a ticket price. So there you go. We'll give Sarah a little bit of time, and uh, we'll be right back. It's the Dream Fest game. Sarah's done her Dream Fest game board. Um, Let's talk about it. I'll, I'll grab. I'll grab the board. There we you could, go. There you go. Woo! All Woo. right. Some fun names on there. Oh my gosh! <laughs> the dads. All right. Yes. Um, and like please. the cool aunt. Yeah. The cool, yeah. There you go. Um, please let me know, let yeah. us know about this this dream kind of show you're putting on. Yeah. So I'm definitely looking at this more like a festival. Um, right. I've seen the Strokes once, but I've been dying to see them in a festival setting. Mm-hmm. Um, same situation for the 1975. And, you know, um, I feel like they would do, you know, kind of well together. Kind of like old, new, you know, pop, rock kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for um, those listening, headlining would be the Strokes. Second yep. headline would be the 1975. Mm-hmm. And then opening would opening be... Opening would be my girl, uh, Wolf Alice. Uh, I've been listening listening to them for a while now, but I haven't had the chance to see them live yet. Mm. Um, I was supposed to see them live uh, at where we were young, when we were young, in Vegas, but some uh, ticketing complications, and I couldn't, yeah, sure. couldn't get in on time, so I missed <laughs> their set, but I've been absolutely dying to see them, and I feel like they would be such a vibe. To kick off, um, you know, 1975 and the Strokes. Wild. Mm-hmm. I feel okay. like there's also, like, a good overlap between, you know, people that listen to, like, all three artists. So Yeah, that's great. It's it's one of those, like, oh, like one of those lineups where if you're going to be spending a lot of money on it, I want you to, like, listen to, like, you know, the people that are going to be there. Yeah, you spend yeah. money on it. Totally. Anyway. Where is this going to be? It's going to be at uh, Trusty Trusty Woodbine Beach because we were literally just talking about how there was nothing happening in Toronto. Right. And, um, I mean, years ago, I went to festival at Woodbine Beach, and I thought it was a great festival space. Um, last year, Rufus DeSoul had a show at Woodbine Beach, so, you know, it's, you know, usable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, it's awesome. accessible. It's, it's a really great space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one big stage for, you know, some fun artists. This is on the beach. On, well, like the park across the beach. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure, Woodbine, yeah. I should have wrote that. Woodbine Beach Park. Yes, yeah, yeah. My yeah. bad. There you go. Yeah, we, we, that makes... we do not like concerts on sand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 that makes sense. Yeah, like Echo Beach has been moved. Yes. Because we don't like the sand. There you go. It is now on pavement. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Woodbine Beach, and then when in late September? Yeah, nice. because I mean, no one wants to go to a music festival all like super sweaty and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe besides like the nineteen seventy five girlies, I feel like it's a pretty like chill thing. Like, I understand the whole like your Coachella fit, but like <laughs> Coachella has like some insane lineups sometimes, and people yeah, yeah. are so obsessed with the fashion around Coachella, and I'm like. 
I like I understand, but like when did Coachella become about like the fashion and the influencers? Sure, sure, sure. When they have such like incredible lineups sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you know, you're not well wear your sunscreen. Always wear your sunscreen. <laughs> but like you don't have to worry about like I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like the some warmth intense and, like UV yeah, yeah, yeah. protection yeah, totally. and like uh late sept. I like people that. people like won't that. be passing out due to like heat sure, and sure. stuff like that. We hope and like not. I know. Yeah. Oh, I like sometimes we have a really like warm September, October. I'm thinking a more like I'm I'm thinking like a toasty high of like fifteen degrees. Ooh, that's my favorite weather. You right know? There. So Ooh, you could like fifteen layer, degrees. You, you buy a hoodie from the merch stand and you're good uh. at night. Crazy, you know, like yeah, yeah. like the perfect thing. And then when the show is over and you're done jumping around and you're like hot, and you're walking to whatever subway streetcar, like you know, yeah, yeah you yeah. know the feeling when I you like that. walk away no, from a festival oh and you're like on such a high, and then totally. like there's like some cool air like blowing around, and you're just like reminiscing on what yeah. you just experienced. And yeah. while you're at the festival, you can drink a little bit of flow water. Absolutely. This is the sponsor of the Shout of, out of my the, favorite water. <laughs> because no one is passing out at my festival. Everyone there is staying you go. hydrated. You heard it here first. Stay hydrated. Everyone what? is staying hydrated with some good old flow water. Amazing. You know, we're gonna have all the varieties available. You know, cucumber mint. Ooh. Hibiscus, rose, whatever Whoa. the heck those ones are. Okay. Standard plain water if that's your Gig? I don't yeah. know. I think they have a vitamin water now too. So the girlies really won't be passing out this time. <laughs> yeah. Not on my watch. Yeah. And you'll we'll have to have a lot. We <laughs> you'll have to uh, have a lot of uh, flow water yes. because there's if, yeah fifteen to twenty thousand yes. people in attendance. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it makes sense. Think about the demand for you know both artists. Um, Three. I mean, yes, but I mean, like the nineteenth side <laughs> yeah. of having the Strokes and specifically the strokes, yeah. will very much be bringing out like wood bring out that a lot kind of, of crowd yeah for sure um now the demo the demo yeah of course yeah. 1835 yeah, yeah. that's uh, that yeah. seems that seems correct but then a 200 dollar ticket yeah i feel like sense. that's fair you know sure. in, in like in this economy okay. and like uh because there's no like tiered pricing from like front row to like back row and everyone's paying the same amount of money um kind of makes sense for a music festival i think lavender wild um I'm sorry, I do this. <laughs> For those Sarah of you, just broke the sharpie. <laughs> yeah, I have like the worst habit of breaking off the little like holdy, whatever the heck part of a pen or pencil. Every every like every single writing utensil I have that has that little thing is broken. It's anyway, fine. anyway, we'll, we'll get through it. We're never gonna financially recover from this. I'll bill you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, two hundred dollars a ticket plus a freaking pen. Uh, you heard it here, folks. This is Sarah's uh, dream fest. You know, evening. Right. I feel like I'm in a really fortunate spot where I could say like I've basically seen all of my favorite artists live. So, uh, you, you know, yeah, which is like great. I feel like a lot of people can't say. Which no, is like, yeah, very lucky, privileged position. Yeah, I. But you're killing it. Thanks. So at that point, I've seen everyone live, but how can I see them better? Ooh. Ooh, there you go. Think on that, everybody. Thank you for listening. This has been the 19th episode of the Clown Machine Podcast. Thank you for coming, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Um, it's a late. Uh, yeah. We had the sun. I know. When we started, and now we, we're, it's, a, it's a late evening yeah. type situation. I haven't even packed for Ottawa yet. There you go. 
Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. Please keep on commenting on all these social posts. We're getting some good comments. We're getting some views from all around the world. Slay. Slay. Big slay. Um, Why? Sitting at the table the entire time. Dalek? Dalek! <laughs>